Hi, everyone, and welcome back. Welcome to the second to last day in September, if you're listening to this on the day that comes out. Um, So I have another question for you, like I did last week. Last week, I asked you if you fast forward over the intro music, and most people told me, no, they do not. Although my husband admitted to me that on that very day, he accidentally fast forwarded it the intro music. So today he can't get out of it because the intro music is going to come a little bit later on. Um, I want to ask you another question. Do you ever find it funny when people say that their podcast is sponsored by their program? Sometimes I think that's funny, but at the same time, I get it. Um, I mean, technically the program does pay that person and therefore they then have the time to do the podcast rather than push the pencil in other ways to earn the money. Well, uh, My podcast is not sponsored by my program, but I like to talk about my program on my podcast. So does that mean that my podcast is sponsored by my program? Questioning minds want to know. Someone asked me just last week if I was interested in being sponsored by like this super random company. And I said no. Um, And call me crazy, but I just don't really, that's just not for me. Um, I don't really want to have ads and such, especially I'm just feeling that right now. But I just like to be able to share about things that I'm trying and loving or people that I love or VIP members when they're making ripples. I just want to have the freedom to be able to say what I want to say. Now, all that said, if me undies or better health are listening and they really do want to fork over some serious cash, I recant all of this and I do take sponsors. Uh, They can also feel free to send me some goods to sample and I'll just throw them a shout out. But all right, enough of that. This is like totally non-philosophical thoughts, not important musings, and I just wasted your time doing it. Um, I'm so excited for October, the month of October, for a couple of reasons. First and foremost, um, October is mine and my husband's anniversary, and I just always love that milestone and celebration. We have a little anniversary tree that my mom got us when we got married, and every year we get to put another, um, they're like these little tiny brass nails or studs or something, and we get to put another one in the tree as a leaf on the tree, and so I always get excited for that. It is truly the small things. Um, And we just went away to the White Mountains for an early anniversary getaway. I feel like we made the right choice to go when we did because we were ahead of all the leaf peepers and there were already a ton of people out and about up there. But uh, for the most part, we did a really great job avoiding the crowds and staying cozy in our mountainside Airbnb. We did tons of hiking and found like these really great, for the most part, um, secluded trails. So that's one thing I'm looking forward to in October. The other is, drum roll please. Okay, I thought for sure when I said that, like a drum roll would just automatically pop in, but I guess not. Anyway, the other one is our She Built This 2021 panel event and our She Built This Woman of the Year contest, which are kind of like at the same time. So I'm going to tell you about that today. The She Built This panel event this year is going to be a hybrid version Uh, That is the world we are living in right now, and I did want to have an in-person element. The event is usually this beautiful, huge in-person thing, but I'm not quite feeling um, like it can be what it has been this year. So on October 14th, we're doing a limited, cozy, intimate number of in-person attendees. Only 40 people can 
uh, purchase in-person tickets, and it's going to be held at the co-working house in Milford, New Hampshire. We are also going to have a virtual option, and it will be live streamed so that people can watch right from their cozy homes. So either way, super cozy, super fun. This is actually the fifth She Built This panel we've done. I mean, honestly, it might be the sixth, but I think what I counted was the fifth. And people always walk away from these events with big ahas. They feel inspired, more connected to one another. And we get the opportunity to hear some really incredible and relatable stories. So wait till you hear about this year's panelists. Drum roll, please. No, it still didn't work. That's so weird. Um, Heidi Bell, the 13-year-old owner and founder of Making Waves. And I'm going to tell you more about her, or should I say, she's going to tell you more about her in a minute. Um, Tina Hurley, who is the founder of nonprofit Less Leg, More Heart. And Pubali Chakravorty Campbell of Granite State Recovery. These women are going to share the stories of how they're making big waves and impact through their local efforts. And the evening is going to be a really beautiful time, whether you purchase a virtual ticket or whether you attend in person. Um, it's going to be a lovely, lovely evening. And it's sponsored by Family Dental Care of Milford. We also have some raffles from some amazing She Built This members, which you can find right on the event page. And as a teaser, I I'm grateful to Heidi Bell for telling us a little more about her in audio form. So here you go. Drum roll, please. My name is Heidi Bell. I am 13 years old, and I am the owner of Making Waves, a small business created to help save marine life. Before I had my business, I was very passionate about marine life in the ocean, and that passion has always stuck with me. I make handmade, eco-friendly products, such as reusable shopping and tote bags, and I donate all the profits to the New England Aquarium. At the aquarium, they do amazing work to help rescue, rehabilitate, and release marine life, and someday I want to be able to make an impact like they do. I am doing this to help the beautiful creatures on our planet and to inspire others to take action. I also want to inspire anyone who is thinking about taking a risk or trying something new to go for it, because my dream started when I was only 10 years old, and now I am on my way to living my dream life and making a greener future. I told you this year's panelists were awesome. We have ourselves an entrepreneur who started at 10 years old. So um, on that night, we're also going to be announcing our She Built This Woman of the Year contest in which one lucky winner gets crowned Woman of the Year and wins $1,000 cash plus a bundle of business building goodies to grow their business. The $1,000 cash prize is sponsored by Bar Harbor Bank and Trust. And if you want to learn more about this, win some of that sweet, sweet money, uh, you can find out on shebuiltthis.org how to do it. But it is basically just a video entry where you answer a couple of questions. That video entry does need to be received by October 7th, 2021. So go to shebuiltthis.org and you'll find both that uh, the information for the event and the contest under the events and members tab to learn more and participate. So there we go. That was the sponsor for today. <laughs> um, as I prepare for this event, it's been a really interesting ride, I gotta say. And and maybe it's just due to like the whole pandemic sort of ending, kind of not being sure yet. Um, but I've had a lot of roadblocks with tech and finding all the right players and location and people taking longer than expected to get back to me on different things. Lots of like behind the scenes delays and uh, obstacles. 
And, you know, like I said, COVID just kind of put this is just putting this like unpredictable uh, wrench on things. So it's been a really big lesson for me in just trusting the process because I know that this is something I want to bring to my community members. But boy, I tell you what, this has been a wild one. And I'm going to share a little bit more about that about trust, about different things that I've been going through right now where I've had to trust. I need another week because I'm still kind of like sitting with a lot of it and processing a lot of what's happened in the month of September. And I do have some takeaways I want to share with you all. So stay tuned for that. Um, And as I pull together some of those things, as I put together every solo episode, and even this introduction, I want to share something with you today that is always in the back of my mind. So as you're going to hear in this week's episode with Linda Ugalo, all about delighting in the limelight and really shining in the in the visibility uh, arena, I had a little bit of an epiphany during our conversation. So when I was back in high school, starting in my sophomore year, when I finally broke out of my like speechless, I literally didn't say a word my entire freshman year. <laughs> um, I used to come in every morning my sophomore year, once I broke out of that show, and share a story, an Emily story. So brace yourself already, right? They were usually very animated stories, but you know, if I'm honest, they didn't really contain that much useful information, probably didn't really have a strong plot line. They were like stories of things that we saw on our way in that morning while traveling over the mountain and through the woods and this, that, and the other thing. My opening line was always, you guys, you have to hear this. And I feel like 80% of the time, people like tuned out after I said that for the most part. So This harmless tuning out at the time, you know, it's high school, right? So this harmless tuning out of my stories set it into my young mind, imprinted into my brain that I was really boring. And so as a result, and maybe truth be told, like to some people, I am very boring. (laughs) But as a result, um, as I moved on and my brain started developing more and I became an adult and I had all these things to worry about in my adult life, I was also incredibly worried about being boring. So to compensate, I avoid talking by myself. For example, Facebook Lives, Instagram Lives, any form of video or conversation when I have to be alone. And like even in this intro, I talk really, really, really fast. So, so fast, in fact, that during a speech, someone recently pointed it out to me and was like, I couldn't understand some of the parts of it because you talk too fast. So you need to slow down. But you know, as I was kind of reflecting on it after our episode, um, I realized that there are other instances growing up where it was really cemented that I had to like speak fast or forever hold my peace or lose someone's interest. And I think that even when I started dating my husband, I was kind of like a speed talker because I was worried that he would lose interest. And I started to realize how some of this limiting belief has impacted me in today's interview. So Linda, my guest, she really helped me unpack this, which helped me to make it a lot more manageable to overcome because I know where it's coming from, from the root, you know? And so what you'll find is the moral of this episode is that we can't allow these old broken stories that we're telling ourselves to stop us and hold us back from being visible and sharing our message. 
in our conversation, we also get into why visibility can feel so terrifying, how we can overcome some of this fear of being seen and and speaking on stage. And Linda is also going to share her thoughts on comfort zones, authenticity, and vulnerability. So a little bit more, let me tell you a little bit more about Linda Uglow. She believes that if you feel called to take your business, life's work, or leadership to the next level, the fear of public speaking should not be what's holding you back. Linda is a speaking empowerment coach with degrees in psychology and expressive movement studies and has 40 years experience performing on international stages with a women's world music ensemble. She's helped hundreds of new and seasoned professionals across the world to get comfortable in their own skin, in meetings, on stage, and on camera. She hosted and produced the TV show Women Inspired and has been featured in Money Magazine, Thrive Global, Mequilibrium, and Nylon. Her book, Delight in the Limelight, is officially out, and you're going to hear more about that in this episode. I hope you love her as much as I did, and I think you're going to get some really great takeaways. Doesn't it sound amazing to approach the Facebook Live or the stage or whatever you have to do in front of other people without fear? I think so. And as I always say, without further ado, here is my conversation with Linda. But actually, I think today I'm going to say, drum roll, please. Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. Welcome to the She Built This podcast. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited. Yeah, this is a really exciting and fascinating topic and also something that comes up for so many people. So I'm really excited to get into it. Um, But of course, to start, we want to know more about you and I want to hear the story of how you really got into the work that you do and also how you describe and define yourself in your own words because, you know, a hundred word bio can only tell us so much. That's true. <laughs> I I do describe myself as a speaking confidence coach and author of the book Delight in the Limelight as you probably have already, you know, that you already know. And what I what I love to do is to help people uncover the root causes of the speaking fear that we have and clear that away and The reason why I'm so passionate about this is because I suffered myself from decades of feeling very self-conscious, inhibited, tied up when it came to speaking in public. Now, a lot of the time I would push through it because, frankly, I didn't know there was any other way, but it was highly uncomfortable and it definitely um, never seemed to get better, (laughs) to tell you the truth. And, and so now that I'm on the other side and we'll go more into how I got to the other side and how I help others, I see that there is a, there's a freedom of allowing ourselves to be who we are when we get to the other side of, of these root causes. And I want that for people because I feel that people are needlessly suffering with the fear of public speaking because we're told to ignore it or we're told to push through it 
or that it just comes with a territory. And, and here's a tip or a trick to manage it so it's not as strong and you'll be fine. But actually, it remains a problem because when we are in a place of fear, we can't fully be ourselves. We can't be authentically who we are. We can't be focused on the communication that is in front of us when we are, when part of our attention is distracted and siphoned off by managing the fear. So this is why I am really excited about this book because I want people to not have to manage the fear, but to dissolve it. Yeah, we really can't be present with the people that we're speaking to um, when we're filled with fear. And we also don't create, I don't think, our most powerful message and our most powerful work when we're coming from that place. So let's hear, like, I want to hear a little bit of how fear around public speaking specifically was tripping you up. And you said, I need to, like, now is the the straw that broke the camel's back. I need, I need to figure this out and get on the other side of this. Yeah. Well, it, it happened during the time of this new app that came out that was going to change the online space forever. And it was called Periscope. Do you remember Periscope? Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of it. I've never, exactly. I never, well, I never Periscope was one of the first two live streaming apps before live streaming became picked up by Facebook and Instagram and everything else. And so in some ways, it has changed the online space forever, but not in its original form. So when it came out in 2015, I was a, an online coach. I was trying to build out my business. I wanted to get in front of my clients and all the marketing gurus that I came across were saying, get on Periscope and get on every single day and you will build a following. And so I you know, I always felt like I was kind of late to the game for everything. And I thought, okay, here's something new. I'm going to be an early adopter. I'm going to get on. I'm going to broadcast every day. And I had taken a bunch of video courses. So I, I was familiar with, you know, being in front of the camera. I had always used camera as a tool. Um, like as a dancer, I used it as a tool for like choreography. But I had never used it as like, oh, here I am on my own TV show. So I, I kind of, you know, pulled myself together with like beginner's enthusiasm and thought, I'm going to do this. And the first day I got on, I remember I walked outside with my phone, my heart was racing and I was breathing deeply and I, you know, thought, can I do this? And I finally pressed broadcast and I saw the names of people joining, scrolling on the screen, people from from India and France and California. And oh my God, I was like flipping out. And I managed to like calm myself down and say something hopefully meaningful before I, I press stop. And I thought, okay, this is going to be challenging. <laughs> so I kind of like Googled how to get over my nerves. And I started every day I would do jumping jacks or dancing. I'm a dancer, so I love dancing kicks and punches, power poses, affirmations, meditations, everything that you could think of, reframing, this is not fear, this is excitement without the breath, or um, fear is fuel to get energized, all these reframes that I, I tried. And, and actually, they helped me get on every day. 
After a week, I reached out to my video mentor and I said, do you get scared too? And she said, oh, everyone gets scared, but after 75, you'll be fine. <laughs> right? Right? That was my response too. Like I laughed at it. Okay. <laughs> It reminds me of pe what people say about Facebook Lives. They'll, you know, they say the more you do them, the easier they get. And I'm like, they never get easier. Right, right. So, so here I am. I'm like going towards day 75, and I got there, and I said, okay, here's the moment. I graduate from speaking hell to speaking heaven, and my heart is racing. Oh, no. And I thought, okay, there's something clearly not right in this picture. I've been assuming that, as you said, with practice and repetition, I mean, daily repetition for 10 weeks, I was doing this, that I'd get over it, but I wasn't. So I decided to step back. And I mean, I was showing up and I could probably keep showing up, but I thought, I don't want to feel afraid every day. That just doesn't feel good. I mean, once in a while, yeah, I can push through it, but this daily thing, this has got to, this has got to stop. So I, I decided I was going to find a way to get rid of it. I made a list of all the tools I knew because I actually happened to have a master's degree in expressive arts therapies with a movement studies um, specialty. I've been a performer on stage for, I don't know, several decades with my Women's World Music Group, I was very steeped in personal development. I figure you've got to have the tools here somewhere. Something's going to work. And the first thing I did was I decided instead of ignore it, I was going to investigate it. So I closed my eyes and asked, where is this fear in my body? And if it could talk, what would it say? And what came back to me was, I'm going to be attacked. And immediately a memory came up of, being a kid, where my sisters would attack me every time my mom put me in the center of attention. She would say, why can't you girls be more like Linda? Because I was a goody-goody. I had seen them get punished, and I thought, I'm never going to do anything that makes mom mad at me like she got mad at them. But when mom would say, put me, you know, raise me up on a pedestal like that, well, my sisters didn't like that. And so they would attack me. They, I don't know, kick me in the shin, call me stupid, pin me on the ground, tickle me. Oh, no. You know, no wonder me. you were scared. Yeah. <laughs> as you can, you got it. It was like, not, it wasn't an aha. It was a duh. Of course, I'm not comfortable speaking because there's a part of me that remembers it was dangerous sometimes to be put in the center of attention. Imagine your whole audience was tickling you. That would be terrible. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So on that vein, I guess, what are the things that you hear around the fears that come up for people around speaking? Like, what is it about speaking that freaks us all out so much? Your example is fantastic. Like there are things like that for all of us. Um, and so what are the things that you hear people share around being seen and being on stage? Well, what I feel well, what people are mostly aware about is a generalized anxiety. When, when they go deeper, they may find, I'm afraid of being judged, hurt, rejected, ridiculed, um, ignored or pushed out of the crowd. People will see, you know, won't like me. 
And these all are messages that can be tied back to earlier experiences that we had. And they're being triggered. So for instance, people may have in their home life been pressured to perform before they're not ready, mm-hmm. pressured to behave in particular ways. They might have been ridiculed or had mean parents or been punished for things. They might have been shamed, belittled. These things can happen, obviously, in school, too. We have bullying. We have mean teachers. Kids can be cruel to one another. It may not even happen to us, but we see it happening to other people. So I saw my sisters get punished, and I decided I was never going to talk back. So we make conclusions about things that happen to us because they haven't At the time that they happen, they haven't been resolved in the way they needed to be resolved so that we could feel that we were whole again. So for instance, I've had clients who were bullied at school and their mom would say, what did you do to bring that upon yourself? You must have done something. So blaming the victim. Or others who say, why an A minus and not an A plus? Or being, I had one, one client who even as a kindergartner wanted to be a good girl. And her teacher said, don't bother me for any reason, you know, during this time. And so this poor little six-year-old peed in her chair because she was afraid to get up and then was, you know, felt ashamed. So any of these things that, you know, not being allowed to sit at the lunch table with people who you thought were friends or any kind of comment that gets made to you that sticks in your head is likely to be one of the pieces, one of the threads that create this glom effect. This is so interesting that you say this. And just as you're, as you're saying it, I want to share something that's coming up for me. So when I was in high school, I used to come in every day and have this story to tell my classmates. And they weren't exciting stories, like in my, in their defense, they were just everyday babblings. But I still, to this day, have this fear that people will be sitting there like bored out of their minds with the stories that I'm telling. And so I to compensate for it, you know, I talk very fast or I try to like be really funny the entire time. Or so we come up with all of these like coping mechanisms that help us to alleviate some of that anxiety around the things that you're talking about, the things from way back when in our childhood that affected us. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So how do you take that and then like start breaking that down into, I guess the way you describe it is manageable components. Because when you, when you kind of start to thinking about all of these things, it can feel very overwhelming. You know, you're like, all right, now I have all of this past stuff to deal with that's still getting in my way today. So how can I start to kind of break that down? Yeah. So in in the book, Delight in the Limelight, I have the inner freedom framework and part one or step one of the inner freedom framework is to reveal and heal. So the first thing is to discover, well, what the heck did happen? And the way that you might find your way back is to look at what is it that you're afraid of now and then ask yourself, when might this have happened earlier on? So if you're afraid of feeling judged, where have you felt judged? Who was judging you? 
Who did you feel that from? Was it one of your parents, one of your siblings, a friend um, group, or, or I mean, gosh, our educational system really created a number for an, a lot of us because, you know, you think about the how the education system works, where we are graded for making the fewest mistakes and taking the least amount of risks. Yeah, and and so that's not really how life works at its best. Life works at its best when we feel we can experiment and we can try things out and not worry about the consequences, but we are all worried about the consequences. So these are things that, you know, the first step is to understand and kind of like take inventory of what happened. And the second step or the component of that is to then resolve it in a way that it feels like you have taken care of the experience to the, to the degree that your younger self needed. So that may be by going back and, and writing about the experience, writing about your feelings, um, what you would have liked to ha- happen. Like if you could bring a fantasy helper back with you, what would they do to make you feel completely okay about what happened, you know, in the aftermath. So you kind of like bring those experiences to a new conclusion that it didn't get to have at the time because you didn't have the teacher or the parent or the, or the friend to help you through it, or you didn't have the inner resources at the time to, to deal with it. So I like to use a um, multi-dimensional approach because I feel like Speaking itself is multidimensional. It's mental, it's physical, it's emotional. It's probably even spiritual. So I feel like it's important as we do the healing work and as we're looking at an imprint on our neurophysiology that is physical, it's mental, it's emotional, that we need to touch upon all aspects of it. So I like bringing, I like bringing in different modalities mm-hmm. in order to give our those experiences a new conclusion, a new way of experiencing themselves so that they can be packed up and put away with the charge pulled out. I love that. And what are like what are some examples of those modalities? Well, one thing I love to use is emotional freedom technique, otherwise known as EFT or tapping. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's been around oh, I learned it back in 1992. It has been used to alleviate PTSD in war veterans and has been used for pretty much anything else ever since. So many people use it in many different ways for pain, for emotional discomfort. And I I used it to help myself for 17 years get over a um, hair pulling habit, which um, I was delighted (laughs) to be free of after feeling compulsively engaged with that. So I know it's used for addictive behaviors as well. Another process I love to use is journaling. So I am involved in something called gateless writing, which maybe you have spoken about. Oh, yes. And yes. and Becky Karish was just on our podcast last week. Fabulous. So, yeah. Yes. So I also got trained with Suzanne Kingsbury in the gateless writing process, which is a way of getting words onto the page in an un, um, uh, without judgment. So letting it flow out, kind of like uh, stream of consciousness, and then 
hearing feedback that like highlights what works, what's strong, what resonates so that you feel like you are surrounded by this safe space of positive reflection. This is what we all want is to feel like we can be seen and heard and accepted just where we are. So it's a very healing process. Even as a solo process, I think journaling is very powerful. Another thing I use is creative visualization. I love going back in time or forward in the future and and setting up different kinds of experiences with our younger self or our future self in order to send messages and and positive, open-hearted regard to our past self and to our future self. I find that is very healing. And, and there are different kinds of creative visualizations. I bring my my clients through in my group programs and, and in my private work. And then lastly, I love movement. I'm a movement specialist and I feel that we can use our express our physical expression to, to help alleviate the stress from situations as well as to embody new ways of being. So now I have to ask, through all of this work, what is your favorite form of visibility? Do you like public speaking the best now? Well, public speaking is a very broad term these days. It used to mean kind of like in front of a crowd, let's say on a stage. But the way I look at public speaking is anytime we're communicating to somebody else. So I consider this public speaking. I consider making, going on live stream public speaking, um, speaking up at a meeting, doing a presentation to your team members or going to a, a town hall to voice your opinion about the solar panels on the church or, you know, any of these I consider public speaking. So it's wherever people show up to communicate and want to do that with confidence. That being said, my favorite place right now is TikTok. Oh, wow. You took you went full circle back to Periscope. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And I think that is one of the reasons why I love it. I think it reminds me of Periscope. Now, TikTok is not, it does have a live stream function, but it's more of a video function. Yeah. But I really enjoy it. And I'll, I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. One is it's super engaged. People love to leave comments and they they leave comments that are so personal and I'm so touched by it. They leave comments in a way I would never see in a public Facebook forum or on LinkedIn or even Instagram. People, for some reason over there, feel comfortable telling me their, their injuries, their wounds from the past. So I, I feel indebted to that. Another thing I love about TikTok is that it's very favorable for creators. So if you create videos, it will help you out. It'll show it to people who are not just your audience. And and it will show past videos, not just your newest one. So my very first video, I have more than 200,000 views. And I had one video that is over 3 million right now. Wow, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? It's it's definitely better than you can get on Instagram 
any day. I any mean, just day. just as a, as a normal person, you know. Exactly. And I posted the same videos on Instagram and on TikTok, and it's un- incomparable. Hmm. That is so interesting. So Art- I hope you and your listeners are taking note that TikTok is really been it's favorable right now. I'm going to check it out. I don't, I don't love video. So that's, that's interesting. Like my favorite thing is probably audio. Um, and once in a while I'll do a Facebook live, but video is not like my favorite way to show up. So, and why is that? I don't like talking just to myself. I think like I love having a conversation with other people, Mm -hmm. um, but talking just by myself, maybe it's that feeling of being back in high school where I'm telling the boring story and everyone's listening. Right. What hap- exactly. What happens if people won't listen to me? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? That yeah. is funny. All right. So let's shift gears a little bit. And I want to hear your thoughts on some of these words, which, you know, call them buzzwords, call them what you will, but the words vulnerability and authenticity. What do they really mean? Like, what does it really mean to you to embrace the power of being vulnerable and stand up as an authentic person? Yeah, let's look at vulnerability first. What I I find that doing this process of the inner freedom framework gets you to is being able to honor yourself exactly where you are, not feeling like you have to be any more than you are to be valuable and worthy and wonderful. So this is one of the reasons why I'm so indebted to finding this process of clearing away the past, because when you do that, you can stand in that place of honoring yourself fiercely with just where you are. And authentic presence, I would say, when we are we are operating from past programming and conclusions about how we can best fit in, it's probably not our most authentic presence. So that also has an opportunity to reveal itself when we are no longer held so tightly to these the past programming that we have had. And that's why it's, I also think that it's wonderful to free ourselves of that so we can discover who we are really. I do want to give... Uh, a little caveat to that is that authentic presence is not a static experience. I think it's more like we are becoming more and more of ourselves. Mm. We have the opportunity to unfold ourselves as we grow and, and transform through life. And I think that's one of the things that's exciting about it, that it's not like, okay, I am in my authentic presence. No, I'm in my authentic presence for this day, but next week I may have this whole new way of experiencing myself and being able to bring myself here. But the important part is that you are in the present. You are in the present. Your mind is clear. You are, you are with yourself in a grounded, embodied way and connected with a person that you are in conversation with. That sounds like such a freeing liberating experience to be in that state more, you know, more often than not. Um, so I guess I'm curious to know how, when, when someone starts doing this work and they start going through this process, like what sort of time lines do you see people, um, 
experience? Like how long does it take them to get to that, that state? Yeah, I think there's not, I'm going to say it depends. So I have, before the pandemic, I ran a long workshop, a weekend workshop of four days, a retreat, I mean, and I would say that was sufficient for half of the people hmm. at the at the workshop. Uh, it's intensive to do it that way. I think that's how I did it myself. I think I was over my own fear in a matter of five days, but I live with myself. I was working on it like day and night. So mostly I, when I work privately with somebody, I would say the, it's about six to eight, six to 10 sessions that it would take, like hour long sessions spaced out at a week. But I have had people do it in five. I had one CEO who has done a lot of other personal development work. And after two sessions, she said, I'm good. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's, let's talk about your specific, you know, since we're on that topic, let's talk about your specific services and like the different ways you offer for people to work together. Sure. So for this, I call this my foundational work, the clearing and healing, you know, uncovering and, re and resolving these past experiences and, and messages. I do that in a number of different ways. Right now, I, I work privately one-on-one -on -one because there are executives who do not have time and they, they want to do this work. And so working privately allows me to do most of the heavy lifting for them. I also have a, a new digital course called Clear Your Fear of Speaking on Stage or on Camera. And that is a, a go at your own pace where I guide you with videos and audio and writing prompts and visualization to do this process on your own. And actually, after the book releases uh, later this month in September, I will be running that program as a live program for in order to create a sense of community that people are doing it on their own, but they're not alone. They're also in community with other people and can share the experience. I have also done this as a small group program, but at the moment I'm not running that. So those are my foundational programs. And then when people have gotten to the other side of the fear, there's always like, okay, what's next? And so I have programs like comfy on camera and think on your feet and watch yourself on video without cringing and how to overcome uh, speaking remorse. That's for when you maybe n don't live up to your expectations and you feel bad about it afterwards. Yes. Or yeah. you, you think of all the things that you meant to say and you didn't say. Right, right. right. And that, that happens to all of us, you know. Um, part of this process is learning to create inside our brains that that permission and grace and kindness that we would love to have from other people. We need to learn to give that to ourselves. So transforming the, the way the critic speaks to us is a very important piece of the process as well. So that's also something that I, I teach in my programs, as well as loving and transforming the sound of your voice. Oh, interesting. I love that. Um, I know a lot of people that don't like the sound of their own voice. So yeah. 
myself not included. I don't mind mine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not that I like love it, but I just don't mind it. Um, All right. So I I, I know I'm like taking you on a herky jerky ride here, but I'm going to shift gears again because so we, we recently had this conversation in the She Built This VIP group about comfort zones. Now, I know we all have seen these quotes like, push out of your comfort zone, push through your comfort zone. And I think when we think of visibility and speaking, there's so much language around that, like barreling through your comfort zone. So I want to hear your thoughts on comfort zones um, because a counter argument I heard recently, which I thought was really nice with some softer language around comfort zones and actually the comfort zone similar to gateless writing being a place where we can create with more freedom and ease and then branch out from there so I really want to hear your thoughts on it well I love what you just said and I you know like think about let's say you love to cook and you have people come over for dinner you don't want to be in a place of I mean, if you love to cook, you love to cook. It's not like, oh my gosh, I wonder if they'll like it or maybe they'll walk out or, you know, it's, it's not that, you know, we, when we're good at something, when we love to do something, we have so much fun and we're willing to take risks. Like if you love to cook, it's like, oh, croissant, how do you make those? You know, it can be the same with speaking that when you are, well, let me just backtrack a little bit. Let me just say, I love my comfort zone. <laughs> and I love, I, this is pretty much a semantic thing, you know, like, are we in our comfort zone or not? But I like to think of it as the more we allow ourselves to be comfortable in our comfort zone and stretch it out, yeah, broaden it, then we feel like we are, we feel freer and more able to experiment and take risks and try things out because we're comfortable in that space. So that's how I prefer to look at it. I want people to expand where they feel comfortable. I rather, I mean, sometimes we have to go outside our comfort zone. Sometimes we have to be brave. You know, that just comes with being alive. It will happen sometime, but as a regular thing. And because speaking is our human design, I would like to see people simply become more comfortable in more of the places that they speak. Yeah, I love that. All right, to kind of um, wrap us up, why don't you tell us when your book is coming out and where people can where people can find it, but also where they can find and connect with you online, especially if you're posting fun videos for us to watch on Instagram. We've got to see some of those. Yeah, well, I'm mostly on TikTok. <laughs> I don't have a social media manager, so it's up to me to, you know, like do all that okay, it's here and now it's there kind of thing. And, um, but the book is available, of course, on Amazon. But if you go to my, my website, lindayugalo.com, I also have links to pretty much any bookseller around the world that you may want to buy it at. An easy way would be to just go to your favorite bookseller and type in the name Delight in the Limelight or my name, Linda Ugalo, and you'll find it. Great. And it comes out when it's like hot off the press. It's yep. It's available for pre-order now. We're in the beginning of September at the moment. It comes out. It will be released September 21st. Um, I guess, you know what, before we totally wrap up this, this whole month is about writing. And so I want to hear your thoughts on 
writing a book and what that experience was like for you. Has that always been a goal of yours or was that something that kind of came came out more recently for you? It's funny because when I always thought I would have a book written by the time I was 40 or 42, I can't remember what. And I don't know why I just had that in my mind, but that age came and went <laughs> and I didn't have anything that I wanted to write on. So it wasn't until I had this experience and I was so blown away with the results. And then I was blown away with the results for other people that I thought I have to write a book about this because I'm limited in how many people I can work with personally. And I want to change the conversation about stage fright. I feel like people are being misled and misguided. And as a result, they are prolonging the suffering. And I would like to see people be able to heal their past so that they can move into their future. Yeah. So um, I would say I started four years ago and I was extremely slow and I did my best to give myself the grace to take whatever time it took because I wanted, I wanted my energy as I was writing to be the kind of energy of that I was describing in the book. I didn't want to bring in a lot of stress and anxiety <laughs> into a book that I'm helping people release stress and anxiety. So I, it forced me to find ways to write, uh, to love writing and gateless in was huge in that way. It just gave me an, uh, a practice and, and, uh, an experience of falling in love with, the words and yeah, I had a page, I had a page of affirmations that I would read before I wrote. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, and, when, and whenever I got stuck, I would go to my journal and write what I'm stuck about. And I felt like that kind of buffered me. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're, you're, I, I agree with you that it doesn't, it wouldn't be authentic for you to have a book that was super, um, you know, that raised a lot of cortisol for people because that is not like I'm listening to you and you are a very calming in your body, relaxed person. So I can see how you want that voice to come out through your book. And I also agree that gateless is a fantastic way to produce way more than you ever thought possible and to love it, you know, to really genuinely love what you're the work that you're creating while you're doing it. So Awesome. All right. So just one more time, um, share your, your website and the way to spell it. And I will include it all in the show notes and also the link to your book in the show notes as well. Yes. Linda That's L I N D A U G E L O W.com. And over there you will find links to pre-order my book or buy my book, depending on when you're listening to this as well as to get a uh, speaker empowerment kit that you can download, which is something that will help you right now with mental rehearsing, mental rehearsing for the speaking that you're doing either in person or on the camera. As well as um, so many great resources and articles in your blog. So your, your website is really packed full of fantastic well, content. Thanks, Emily. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me. This was um, a pleasure and an honor, and I'm excited to read your book myself and hopefully get more comfortable in my own skin while speaking and doing such things. I'd be honored if I played a part in your speaking confidence journey. Aw, thank you. Thanks, Linda. Thanks, Linda.
To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.